Psalm 118 says, The Lord, verse 6, Psalm 118, 6, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord takes my part with them that help me. Somebody say, the Lord's on my side. He takes my part. In Psalm 54, 4, 54, 4, it says, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. Say that out loud. God is my helper. He's on my side. He takes my part. In Psalm 56, 9, 56, 9, it says, When I cry to you, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. Hallelujah. So say it out loud. God is for me. God is my helper. God's on my side. Do you believe that? What does that mean to us? Does that affect us in daily life? Does that, what does that mean that God is for us? Uh, go, turn over please to Romans the 8th chapter. Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8 we'll begin about verse uh, 26 tonight. I said we were going to pray, so let's just do that right now. Father, we agree together as touching this, asking you for Holy Spirit anointing, utterance, the anointing that enlightens us and teaches us and guides us, enable us to hear from you now. And to see you. We're asking for answers. We're asking for direction. That which feeds us and builds us up and strengthens us. Sets us free from lies and confusion. And gives us exactly what you want us to have right now. And prepares us for tomorrow. We ask it in Jesus name. We believe we receive it. We say we'll not be hearers only but doers. And we know good things are in front of us. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Romans 8.26 Likewise the Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Didn't say you didn't know what you should pray for. You don't know as you ought to. Limited. But the Spirit itself or as uh, maybe a better translation is Himself. Makes intercession for us. With groanings which cannot be uttered. I want you to notice. Makes intercession. For us. Keep reading. And we know that all things. Excuse me. He that searches the hearts. Knows what's the mind of the spirit. Because he makes intercession for the saints. According to the will of God. So he says it again. He makes intercession. For us. Twice. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Verse 31, what shall we then say to these things if God be for us? Who can be against us? Now, he was talking about intercession when he flowed right in 
to saying this about God being for us. And this is one of the greatest ways God is for us. The Lord is on our side. He makes intercession for us. Hallelujah. Um, It goes on to say, verse 32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Now I know intercessor and intercession in our circles has taken on the connotation of prayer. And that's right, but that's a limited view of it. Really, the terminology is legal. If you look it up, the definitions, the root words, it's legal terminology. Courtroom terminology. You'll see this more clearly as we go. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Well, there it is right there. That'd be accusing you like the prosecution. Verse 34, excuse me, who will lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. In other words, God's not laying anything to your charge. He's the one that justified you. And if he'd have wanted you charged, all he'd have had to do is nothing. Who is he that condemns? Is Christ that died, yea, rather is risen again, even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Now, the same thing that's said about the Holy Spirit is said about Jesus the Master. The Holy Spirit is said to make intercession for us, and it's also said about Jesus himself. Who is he that condemns, that judges as guilty? It's not Jesus. (laughs) He's the one that went to such lengths to justify us. Oh, hallelujah. God is not our problem. God is not against us, charging us, condemning us. That's why Jesus came. So we wouldn't be charged. We wouldn't be condemned. Hallelujah. Not only did he do what was necessary for us to be free from that, but he continues to do something right now. Hallelujah. To affect that. We're going to see more about it as we go. Are you believing with me tonight? What what are we talking about? God's for me. Jesus is for me. The Holy Spirit is for me. For me. Not again. Fur. <laughs> that's, uh, that's good Arkansas. Rural Arkansas. <laughs> Language or Mississippi. Uh, who is he that lays anything to the charge of God's elect? It's not going to be God. He's the one that justified you. Who is he that condemns? It's not Jesus the Christ. He's the one who died for us. Who, not only did he do that, he also, somebody say he also, also. makes intercession for us. See, that's not past tense. 
That's present tense. Hallelujah. Then he goes on to say, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? What's he saying? What can cause God to stop being for you and become against you? None of these things could do that. Because he chose to be for you. Jesus chose to pay the price for you before you were born. Before you knew him. Has nothing to do with our performance. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Go with me over to 1 John. 1 John, the first chapter. And the sixth verse. 1 John 1 and 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Now it's important for the rest of the passage that you keep this verse in mind. Because the rest of the passage is tied to this. God, he just got through talking about, God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Darkness includes every evil thing, every sin, every distorted, perverted thing, and death, and all the curse, and all the stuff that goes with it. Darkness is not from God. God is light. Uh, heaven, it, it doesn't even get dark. They don't have a dark night time like we do. And this happens without a star. The Lamb is the light. Hallelujah. And when you get a suntan, it's a S-O-N tan. <laughs> and you can't get too much. <laughs> more you get, the better off you are. But if you in this life, you say, I'm close to the Lord. I know Him. I'm walking with Him. While you are doing things that are darkness, you're lying about it. Because if you're walking in Him, you'll be walking in truth and light. And life. Keep reading, verse 7. If we walk in the light, as He's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us. Now that's present tense. From all sin. This includes all the things you don't know yet. What does it mean if you're walking in the light? Walking in the light means you're doing what you know. And if you're doing what you know, you're doing the best you know. But even the best you know doesn't cover it all. And how many of you have grown? Maybe you got born again and you grew and learned for 10 years, 15 years. And you look back at some things you thought was no big deal were a big deal. Some things you continued to do were not good. 
But you didn't see it at the time. But you got to the place where you did. Well, while you were doing some stuff that you didn't see how wrong it was, the blood of the Lamb was cleansing you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, if you knew better, then you break your fellowship. Not your relationship, but your fellowship, and you need to repent and receive the cleansing. But if you're doing something and you don't know you're doing it, you don't realize you're doing it. And again, you can't fool the Lord now. He knows whether you know or not. So don't try to play him. (laughs) But if you really don't know any better and you're walking in all the light you have, doing the best you know how, the blood takes care of the rest. Somebody say, thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Cleanses us. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, now we've got to stop. Remember what we said? Keep that other verse in mind. What's it? If you're walking in darkness and you say you have no sin, can you see that? Then you deceive yourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sin, if you're walking in darkness, you had light. and You knew better, but you stepped out of light into darkness Then you need to repent. And if you'll confess it, he's faithful and just to forgive us from our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And yes, this belongs to believers. This is talking to believers. If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now again, you've got to go back to the verse. If you're walking in darkness... And you say you haven't sinned. Everybody paying attention? This is very important. If not, you're going to be confused. A lot of people are. But keep that, what was it, the seventh verse? Six and seven? Six and seven? You got to keep those verses. How many understand what came before goes with? Yeah. If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That's if... We're walking in darkness. What that means, you're violating light. That's what sin is. Sin is not somebody's, some denomination's list. Sin, how many, many remember James? To him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Why would you say to him? Isn't sin sin? No. It's not, it's not just whoever's put the list together. The Lord looks at what you know. He sees your heart. Right? And you haven't violated your conscience. You haven't broken fellowship unless you knew better. But to him that knows and doesn't do, to him it is sin. You're walking, nobody can do any better than walking in the light that they have, doing what they know. If you're doing what you know with what you see, doing the best you know with what you've seen, God accepts you. You walk in full fellowship with him. But again, he knows what you see and what you don't. You You may kid some other people, but you won't kid him. Keep reading. Second chapter, my little children, these things write I unto you 
To, to what end? That you sin not. Do you have to sin every day? No, no you don't. Do you have to sin every week? No, no you don't. Do you have to sin at least once a month? No, no you don't. Do you have to sin every year? No. I mean, nobody's going to make it a year without sinning, right? Jesus made it a lifetime. Is that right? Jesus went his whole life and didn't even sin one time. Now, all of us have already come short of that record. <laughs> but, 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 his mercies are new every morning. And because of the blood of the Lamb, we can start off tomorrow with a completely clean slate. Didn't he say your sins and iniquities? I will remember. No more than he's not looking that you've missed it X amount of thousands of times. If you've repented and you're walking in the light that you have, he sees you like the master. Glory to God. These things I'm writing to you so that you won't sin. But if any man sin, does, does he know people? But if you do. Tell me again, what is sin? Violation of light. What is light? It's what you see and know. Violation of what you know. But if any man sin, if any man violates what he knows, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Verse 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Again, this is proof he's talking to believers. Everybody with me? Believers. He's the propitiation, the satisfaction, and the payment for all, every sin, every failure we've ever made. And not just for ours, but including the people that don't believe in him. The whole world. Jesus has already paid the price for every sin that anybody that has ever lived had ever committed and anybody that ever will live will ever commit. He's already paid the price. Already paid the price. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Verse 1, I want you to look at it again. If any man sin... Violate light. We have what? An advocate. Again, that's a legal term. Let me read some other translations to you. Weiss translation says, If anyone commits an act of sin, one who pleads our cause, we constantly have facing the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. One who pleads our cause. See, that's what an attorney for the defense would do. Plead your case. Plead your cause before the judge. Now, you know, in, in our legal system, we have jury of our peers. But for most of history, that was not the case. And still in many countries today, it's just the judge. You come before the judge... He hears the case, declares you guilty or innocent. 
And uh, heaven is not a democracy. <laughs> and the kingdom of heaven is not. Thank God. <laughs> oh, somebody didn't like that. <laughs> it's the kingdom of God is of God, by God, from God, <laughs> to God. It's him. Starts and ends with him. Because nobody could make a more righteous judgment than him. But what does this mean? Someone who pleads our cause. Somebody still thinking about the other. Don't get me wrong. What we have is one of the best things going on on the planet. And I am so thankful for it. But all the kingdoms of this world are just here for a moment. And then they're all going to be gone. And the only thing that's going to remain is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. And those that are his are going to rule and reign with him forever. But there's not going to be any marching or protests or voting. (laughs) It's going to be God's way. Period. And it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be better than you've ever, ever, ever had it. Somebody say, I'm looking forward to it. Listen to the Amplified. We have an advocate. Somebody say, I have an advocate. One who intercedes for us with the Father, and it is Jesus Christ, the all-righteous, upright, just one. Hallelujah. The New Century says, we have a helper in the presence of the Father. Isn't that what we read in Psalms? God's my helper. Jesus is your helper at the throne. The, uh, this is big. God's word translation says, he sp- if anyone does sin, we have Jesus Christ who has God's full approval. He speaks on our behalf when we come into the presence of the Father. Jesus speaks on our behalf. He speaks for me. It takes faith to even believe that, doesn't it? He, he's for me. He pleads my cause. He speaks up for me. He stands up for me in the high court of heaven before the perfect Holy Father, the righteous judge of all the earth. We need somebody <laughs> to represent us. Uh, put up on the screen, if you would, in the book of Job, uh, Job, the ninth chapter. You know, we read Job not too long back, didn't we? What are we reading now? Anybody know what we're reading now? Psalms. If, if you hadn't been, if you fell off the wagon somewhere and you hadn't been reading your chapters, man, it's such an easy time. Little short chapters, is that right? Psalms. Uh, Now, I don't ask you to do things. It's rare for me to ask. I don't ask you to give. I don't ask you to do a bunch of things. I'm asking you. Read your chapter every day, Monday through Friday. I'm not asking it for me. I just know what it will do for you. 
And it's, it's so many things. If, if you don't have time for the word of God or prayer, your priorities are wrong. That's right. And you're much more carnal than you think you are. Come on, you are with me. Yes. And it'll open the door to problems in your life that you won't see coming until they've already hit you. Come on, are y'all with me? Thank God for coming to church and getting your spirit fed. But what if you only ate twice a week physically? And that was just on the weekend. Huh? Reckon you might get weak? Reckon you might have some issues? This way, you at least get that chapter. Is that right? During the week. And then you get the other. So uh, if you feel like this is your church, your pastor's asking you, read your chapter. Every day. Monday through Friday. Right? Now you, you can read. We, we just do it Monday through Friday. And, and of course you can do as much extra beyond that as you'd like. But do this as a... Uh, as a minimum. Said out loud, everybody, everybody. at Faith Life Church, Church. reads their, read their chapter every day, every day. Monday, through Friday. Monday through Friday. This is widely known. Widely. Right, widely known about these parts and all up in Arkansas and Missouri. And, <laughs> right, and we got a lot of folks on the internet, same way. Right. Yes, we're talking to you too <laughs> on the internet. Yes, if you feel like you're a part of this family, that you join us on a regular basis, uh, please, read your chapter every day. We read Job, and we saw the struggle of Job. And notice one of the things, one of the realizations he came to in chapter 9, Job 9, verse 32. He said, God's not a man. As I am. That I should answer him. And we should come together in judgment. Now if you've read Job. You might be getting a handle on this. But Job. Came to the conclusion. That God did him wrong. That God wasn't there for him. Basically that God missed it. Later on. He had to repent for this. And he did. Quote him in dust and ashes. He did. And the moment he did, God liberated him. Turned his captivity. Healed him. Gave him twice as much as what he lost. Well, repentance is a powerful thing, saints. It's the way out. Out of your mess and problem. And it's the way back to God. So he's not a man that I am. You've got to remember... This is long before Jesus came. This is long before Romans 8 reality. The Lord interceding for us and Hebrews, him being our intercessor. That, that didn't exist now back here. And Job had this realization. He said, God, he's not a man like me. That I could talk to him and I could come before him in judgment. If you read the whole passage, he said... If I, if I tried to talk to him, I'd wind up condemning myself. And he's just too big and he's too pure and he's too holy. And, and I can't talk to him. And, and I'm sure part of this 
You, you can actually see it in the chapters. He's, he's, he's thinking, God, how can God relate to me? How can an immortal, omniscient, omnipresent, all-powerful being relate to me? Hmm? How can he? People ask that question today. Verse 33. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand on us both. <laughs> See, way back then, centuries ago, that's another indication that this is inspired scripture. Job had a revelation. I need an advocate. I need somebody that understands God, but that also understands me. <laughs> I need somebody I can talk to that won't just scare me out of my skin and blow me away. And somebody that understands me that can talk to God on my behalf. Does it sound familiar to you? Oh, my the NIV says, verse 32, he's not a man like me that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. If only there was someone to arbitrate between us, to lay his hand on us both, someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror would frighten me no more. Then I'd speak up without fear of him. But now as it stands with me, I cannot. He said, I, I, need, I need somebody <laughs> in between me and God. I need somebody. Oh, glory to God. What did 1 John say? If any man sin, talking about us, we have, an and somebody say, I have, I have an, advocate. an advocate. What did Job say? I need. I need. <laughs> I need. I need an advocate. What do we say? I have an advocate. I have somebody. Oh, never say I don't have anybody. Never say. Well, well, I'll finish that in a moment. Go to Hebrews, the seventh chapter. I get excited sometimes when I start preaching these. These are amazing truths. These, the heaven, the, the, those in heaven, including the angels, are still trying to figure this out. How this happened and why it did. We are not just mere recent developments of animals. God is real. And we are so special to Him. We are so important to Him. That even after man lost himself through disobedience and rebellion, God wouldn't, He wouldn't let it stand. He wanted His man. He wanted us. And He was willing to to pay the highest price 
that's ever been paid for anything for us. Silver and gold wouldn't buy us. The gold and platinum from a million planets wouldn't buy souls. Can't buy a soul. (laughs) The only thing that was valuable enough to pay for our souls, to redeem us out of our sin and death, was and is the spotless blood, hallelujah, of the Lamb. And not only did the Lamb shed His blood and give His life and then take that blood to the mercy seat on high and make an eternal redemption for us. But beyond that, unto this very day, He continues to make intercession for us with it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Somebody say, I believe it. I believe it. (laughs) Hebrews 7 and 20. Let's start in 22. 7.22. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. They truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. Now, The priesthood, the tabernacle, the temple, the sacrifices, all of that, the Bible says, was patterned after what's actually in heaven. That's one of the reasons we want our children to learn about these things. A lot of people nowadays, they neglect their Old Testament, don't pay any attention to it. Big mistake. The Old Testament is full of beautiful Precise pictures of realities in heaven and the future. And the priest would come, and the high priest in particular, uh, after purification, would go into the Holy of Holies and put the blood on the mercy seat, and it would cover the sins. Today, our sins are not covered. They're washed away. The fact that they were covered was indicated by it having to be done again the following year. Hebrews goes into detail about this, doesn't it? And uh, he said the priests were many over the years and decades and centuries because they only lived for so long. And then another one would come along and serve that function and they'd live out their life and die. Another one would come along. Verse 24. But this man. You may know what man he's talking about here. This man. First Timothy says there is one God. And one mediator between God and men. The man. Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The man. Why would it say the man? Somebody say, isn't he God? Yes. Well, then is he man? Yes. (laughs) How can he be God and man? That's the mystery of the incarnation. 
But just like Job was crying out for, I need somebody that understands what it's like to live down here in this curse-filled, sin-filled world, to be mortal, to feel weak, to not know everything. How can the Almighty relate to a puny-feeling being like that? Well, God became man. Hallelujah. He didn't just empathize with our situation. He became. The Bible said he laid aside his mighty weight in glory and became just like other men. How did God do that? He's God. But never say again, nobody understands what I'm going through. Never say again. Nobody, under, nobody knows what I've been through. Jesus knows exactly what you've been through and much worse. Much worse. None of us have been tempted and pushed to the point of blood coming out of our pores simply because of the pressure we're under. None of us been that far. He has. He's been where you've been. And beyond. Somebody said, well, he never sinned. How could he know what that's like? On the cross. He became sin. With our sin. That's why it's recorded that he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The spotless son of God operating in omniscience would never say such a thing. Would never need to. Have you ever felt like that? Have human beings ever felt like that? Where's God? I've messed up so bad. Jesus has been where we've been and beyond. Can you see it, friends? Oh, thank you, Master. Keep reading. This man, because he continues ever Has he been raised from the dead? Never to die again. Will he ever die? No. Will he ever grow old or wear out? Never. Never, never. So now we have an unchangeable priesthood. Hallelujah. Verse 25. Wherefore he, Jesus, is able also to save them to the uttermost. People have done all kinds of things with that word uttermost, but it has, you've got to keep it in context, it has to do with from now on to the utter outer limits of experience and time from now on. We will never change priests. He will never stop being there for us. He is there for us From now on. Not just to the end of this life. Not just to the end of what you read about in the book of Revelation. Not just to the end of the next thousand millennia. He is able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him. Seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. Hallelujah. The NIV says he always lives to intercede for them. The Amplified says he's always living to make petition to God, 
to intercede with him and intervene for them. Again, don't just see this as a prayer thing. It's legal terminology. He is there to represent us, to speak for us, and to intervene on our behalf. Lest we be judged. And this will never end. He's our representative. He understands us inside and out. And he understands the Father inside and out. And he's got his hand on both of us. Every day and every night. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm taking my time. Is that all right? Go with me to Philemon. Just one chapter in Philemon. Some folks may have wondered how this little book got in the New Testament. Oh, but there are no mistakes here. There are no unnecessary parts. You begin to see something real powerful here. In Philemon, let's just start in verse 1. You got time? I may want to read this whole book. If you got concerned, you need to know your Bible a little bit better. (laughs) Philemon 1.1. Now, this is a letter that Paul wrote to a man, a person named Philemon. It's more than that, but God used it and inspired it. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. To our beloved Aphia and Archippus, Archippus, or as they say down south, Archippus. <laughs> our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. So this was written to a number of people, but specifically to Philemon. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always, excuse me, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of your faith become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Are there good things in you in Christ Jesus? Do you need to think about them? Talk about them? Acknowledge them? Yeah. Need to stir up the gift that's in you. We have great joy and consolation in your love because the bowels or the insides of the saints are refreshed by you, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold. Now, now I want you to see. He said some great things, but now he's getting to why he wrote the letter. (coughs) Can you see this? Though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin you. Now, that's a strong word to, to compel you. That which is convenient and right. 
Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech you. He said, I could, I could, you know, compel you to do this, but I'm not going to do that. I'm asking you. Being such a one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, he reminds him that he's old and he's in jail. <laughs> I beseech you for my son Onesimus whom I have begotten in my bonds. Now this was a man that Philemon knew who wound up in prison and Paul has led him to the Lord and he's born again. He said which in time past was to you unprofitable but now profitable to you and to me. Why am I reading this to you? This is intercession. Is everybody listening? This whole book we call it, but this chapter, this letter, is intercession. It is Paul interceding with Philemon for Onesimus. And it's a perfect picture of the intercession of our master. He said, there's a play on the word Onesimus. It has to do with useless and useful, if you look up the word, the Greek words. So apparently, Onesimus was useless at one time, and probably worse. How did he get in prison? Hmm? And there's every indication that he stole from this man. You'll see that as we go. That he hurt Philemon, took from him, stole from him, hurt him somewhat. And he's in prison. But now Paul has met Onesimus, led him to the Lord. I reckon they're having Bible study in jail there. What do you think? How many think you're anywhere around Paul? You're going to get a steady diet. Is that right? You're going to get fed. <laughs> what do you do all night and all day? They prayed. They talked. He preached. They sang praises. Yeah. He said in time past he was unprofitable to you. But now... Profitable. He's gone from being useless to useful, he said, to me. I want you to see what's happening here. Philemon loves Paul. Got saved through Paul. Respects Paul. Paul is using his relationship with Philemon to help Onesimus. Can you see this? Yes. This is intercession. In time past, he was to you unprofitable. Now he's profitable to me, to you, and to me. You know, I don't know. At this point, Philemon might have been shaking his head going, profitable? <laughs> Dude cost me $30,000. <laughs> Stole the jewelry right out of my box. 
Rode off on my best donkey. (laughs) He said, whom I have sent again, therefore receive him. In other words, this letter didn't come by the U.S. Postal Service, (laughs) which didn't exist at that time. Guess who brought this letter? Onesimus. He got out. And Paul sent him back to where he messed up. Back to the people that probably thought they'd be glad if they didn't see him again. But he didn't send him empty-handed. He sent him with a letter in his hand. And when he showed up at the door, they might have groaned. I don't know. Onesimus thought you were in jail. I was. What are you doing here? Uh, could you read this? <laughs> could you read this before we talk anymore? Paul said, I've sent him again. Therefore receive him. That is my own bowels. He's telling him, he's dear to me. I want you to receive him. This is intercession. Whom I would have, I would have kept him with me. Because you're not here. And he could have ministered to me instead of you. In jail here. In bonds. The bonds of the gospel. But without your mind would I do nothing. See this is also about making it right. Can you see this? Making it right. He knew Onesimus needs to go back and make this right. Without your mind would I do nothing that your benefit should not be as it were of necessity but willingly. Well we've heard that before. God doesn't want anything you don't, you're not willing to give. Makes it unacceptable. Perhaps he departed for a season that you should now receive him forever. <laughs> Looks like he's going to be staying a while. Not now as a servant. So he was Philemon's servant. Or we could say he worked for him. Whatever you want to call it. But now above a servant. A brother. He not not only asking him to receive him. But treat him like a brother. A brother beloved. Especially to me. But how much more to you. Because you know him. Y'all got history. Both in the flesh. And in the Lord. So perhaps they're related. Kin. In the flesh. Now now listen to this. Here's some of the purest intercession you'll ever hear. If you count me a partner. Receive him like you would me. Glory to God. Do you reckon this carried some weight? With Philemon who got saved under Paul's ministry. He said, "Do you, if you count me a partner, well, of course he did. Probably had more respect for Paul than any man living at that time. Receive him like it was me. Do you know this is what Jesus does for us? Do you know this is what Jesus does for us? Receive him like it was me. How 
else can this prayer in John 17 come to pass? Let, let the world know that you love them just like you love me. It couldn't be based on what we've done. What's it based on? It's based on who's for us. Jesus is exercising his relationship with the Father on our behalf. And the Father can be justified in doing it because Jesus has paid the price for it. If you count me a partner, receive him like it was me. wonder what Philemon's doing at this point. He's like, he's looking at Onesimus. He's thinking, where am I going to put him? Verse 18. If he's wronged you or owes you anything... Put that on my account. Mm. Redemption. The book of Romans, Galatians, Hebrews, all of it. It is accounting terminology and legal terminology. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. And somebody else paid it for us. Hallelujah. We were guilty. And deserving judgment. And somebody else took our place. And paid for it. Oh somebody say thank you Lord. Paid for it. And then went to the judge. With the payment in hand. And said father. Receive them. For my sake. (laughs) Does the father love the son? Love we haven't fathomed yet. He said, receive them for me. What they owed, put that on my account. Hallelujah. If he's wronged you or owes you anything, put that, well, why would they bring it up? He did. (laughs) I said he did. How'd he get in jail? Could have been a huge amount that he could never pay back. But what Paul say? Put that on my account. Now here, he turns it into a legal binding document. I, Paul, have written this with my own hand. I will repay it. And he signed it. This is a legal binding document. He just assumed Onesimus' debt. And this is a parenthesis, this next part. He says, I'm not going to bring up how you owe me yourself. (laughs) Has God got a sense of humor? (laughs) Didn't he bring it up? I think so, but he said he wasn't going to. Maybe we're just saying we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about how you owe me yourself he got saved missed hell under Paul's ministry and has grown up and got faith and I Paul have written it with my own hand yea brother 
Let me have joy of you in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord, my insides in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I wrote this to you knowing you'll also do more than I say. He said, I know you. You're a good man. I know you'll love me. I'm going to go ahead and thank you now (laughs) for taking my boy in, canceling his debt, treating him like a brother. Is this beautiful redemption? Is this intercession? This is wonderful. Let your mind be renewed beyond thinking of intercession as somebody kneeling somewhere praying. Now that is part of it. It is part of it, but it's not just, you've got to watch about getting religious in thinking prayer. What, what are you doing? Whether, you, whether it's in prayer or not, what are you doing? And, and how is it working and why? Go with me please to 1 John. I'm thinking about closing. First John, fifth chapter. First John five. Somebody say, I have an advocate Amen. with the Father, with the Father. Jesus, Christ, Jesus Christ, the righteous, the righteous. who ever lives, lives to make intercession, to make intercession. For, me. for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What does that mean? We need to know more about this. We need to meditate on this. Keep this in front of us. Every time you go to the throne in prayer, remember who's there. (laughs) Not only is the Father there, the Master, seated at the right hand. He is the mediator between you and the Father. The Father is perfect, holy, pure, beyond our understanding. But Jesus has been right where you've been and beyond. Paid for it all. And is there ready to speak up on your behalf. Glory to God. And call to remembrance his own blood on the mercy seat that has paid the full price for all our sins and failures and mistakes. 1 John 5, I want you to see something that's I think a lot of folks hadn't thought much about, but it's powerful. 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, you don't have to feel like he hears you to know he hears you. If you know you ask something that's according to his will, revealed in his word, revealed by his spirit, don't check your little feelings. You know he heard you. What else do you know? Verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, one thing connects to the other. And if we say, I know that was the will of God, I prayed. So I know he heard us. People say, well, I just don't feel like, you need to forget about that. You're walking by sight. You're not walking by faith. If he said in his word, if you ask according to my will, I'm telling you, I heard you. Then don't discount his word. Believe it. 
And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, what else do we know? We know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. You know that before you feel anything, see anything, hear anything. You know it when you said amen. You know he heard you. And you know he granted your petition. <laughs> and you'll see it. You'll experience it. But now before you start praying, you need to find out the will of God. Verse 16. All this goes together now. Asking for something. God hearing you, his will and getting it. This goes into some asking in some areas that a lot of folks have not done. If any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he, God, shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say he shall pray for it. What's this talking about? This. Is intercession. This is intercession. This is you going to the Father and asking Him for mercy in life for somebody who's not right with Him, somebody who's missed it, somebody who's out. And God giving them that. Simply because you asked him to. This is based on your relationship with Jesus and Jesus' presence and relationship there at the right hand of the throne with the Father. It's based on relationship. It's exactly what happened, you know, when the, the Lord and the angels came and Abraham saw them and Lot and his family was living in Sodom and, and the Lord said to him, shall I hide from Abraham? You know what's about to happen? He's going to tell his friend. And he let him know that Sodom and Gomorrah was about to be judged and destroyed. And why? To give Abraham an opportunity to ask him. To have mercy. He didn't want to see them caught up in that destruction. He wanted to find a way to save them. But justice required. If the other people are going to be destroyed. These folks in the middle of this just as much as they are. How can you be just in sparing them? And the other people get destroyed. There's a way. I said there's a way. If somebody with relationship with him, asks on your behalf. So he began doing that. He said, shall not the the judge of all the earth do right? If we find 50 people there, wouldn't you spare the place? You're not going to destroy the righteous with the ungodly, are you? The Lord said, I'll spare it for 50. Why? Just because this man that's a friend of God, Asked him to. 
That's the only reason. He got to thinking, boy, we may be short on that. What if we go only, what we short, what if we short five? We only find five at 45. He said, I'll spare it. 40. I'll spare it. 35, 35, 35, 30, 30. <laughs> 25, 20, 20, 15. The Lord kept saying, I'll spare it. I'll do it. He said, uh, let me ask you one more time. He felt like he's pushing it. Why am I talking about this? This is not about reading somebody's guide to interceding and following the steps. This is about your personal relationship. Come on, can you see this? With him. And it's not one way. It's two ways. Here he mentioned certain things. He said, I don't say you should ask for that. Well, how are you going to know what to ask for and what not? And how far to go? There's only one way to know. Be led by the Spirit as it's happening. But I think he decided, I I, I know between Lot and his wife and their kids and the the in-laws, I'm pretty sure we got ten or better. He was wrong. Righteous people in those big cities. But the Lord said, I'll spare the whole two big cities that were as ungodly and sinful as you could get. I'll spare the whole thing. Why? Why? Because his covenant man asked him to. Isn't that what Paul was doing with Philemon? Based on his relationship with him, I'm asking you to take my boy in. Right? And forgive his debt. If you want it paid, I'll pay it. Here, I'm, I'm writing a document right here with my own hand. I, Paul, will repay. And he signed it at the end. <coughs> Isn't that exactly what Jesus did for us? There's been a few times in my life that that very thing has happened. (coughs) I was praying for an individual one time, it's been several years ago, that had just, you talk about messed up, man, they had messed up so much, so long, so many ways. And I knew they're in danger. If they don't quit this, it's going to cut their life short, it's going to... It's going to mess up what God had planned for. I'm praying and I run out of things. to what, How do you pray? Remember Romans 8? The Spirit makes intercession. According to the will of God. Thank God for praying in the Spirit. But as you do, things will begin to come up. And I begin to talk to the Lord about this. Lord, what, what about him? What about this person? And I just, it just come up out of my spirit while I was talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm asking you to spare him. I'm asking you to give him some more time. Give him some more, give him more opportunity. I'm asking you. And man, I heard it just as clear in my spirit. Brings me to tears when I think about it. He said, I'll do that. 
just because you asked me to. <laughs> Is that scripture? Do we read it right here? Ask, and he'll give life. Hallelujah. Now, there may be some cases that the Lord will tell you, don't ask me about that. Leave me alone. There's just a lot of things you don't know. If he, and if that's what he says, that's, that's what you do. But there's so many cases where if we just ask for mercy, ask for grace, more time will be given, more opportunity. And sometimes that's all the time that was needed. People finally come around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Stand on your feet, everybody. Is God for you? Is the Master for you? Is He on your side? Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Just close your eyes and focus on Him. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and goodness. Thank you that somebody prayed for us. <laughs> oh, thank you. You were able to spare us. Able to have mercy on us, keep us. Thank you for Jesus. What he has done what he continues to do to this present hour. Oh, hallelujah. Just lift your voice. Begin to praise. Oh, Lord, I praise you.